Welcome back to the Full Court Press, presented by the Stony Brook Press. This is part two of our NBA season preview. I'm joined here by my co-host and my good friend, Daniel Marcillo. Daniel, how's it going? Doing pretty good today. What about you? It's good. You know, we got our little Starbucks here, um, some cookie action, some tea action, which, you know, I'm happy about for sound the most like, part. Sound like we in England, cookies and tea. I mean, it's that's how it's got to be sometimes. Yeah. Hopefully I don't sniff too much on this podcast because I'm not. Everyone's everyone's getting sick right at now. At 100%. That is true. From like week 6 through week 10, those are the bad those are the bad days for sicknesses. We're uh, halfway through the semester, actually. Yeah. Exactly at the halfway point, if I'm not mistaken. So when people start landing on the on the injured, injured list with their sicknesses. But let's get right into it here. Last week we did the Eastern Conference previews. Uh, this week we're going to move on to the Western Conference. So we'll start from the bottom to the top in terms of predictions, uh, in terms of who's projected to win X amount of games. So we'll start at the bottom. The Grizzlies are projected to be the worst team in the league at 27 and a half wins. What are your thoughts on that? I think that's reasonable. I definitely think Memphis is going to be the worst team in the Western Conference, which... I mean, in the grand scale of things, I don't think they're going to be a terrible, terrible team, at least not as bad as some of the Eastern Conference teams, like the Hornets, for instance. But they're definitely the weakest. Um, it's just a rebuilding process for them, really, that started after trading Mark Gasol last season, getting, well, uh, Mike Conley leaving mm-hmm. as well. But now they've got John Morant, who should be a very exciting addition. I'm excited to see how he works out. Oh, yeah, John Moran, very exciting young point guard. Looks like he's got a little Russell Westbrook on, uh, in him. He's looked good through the preseason. Um, you know, and, and it's unfortunate the Grizzlies, that combination of Gasol and uh, Conley, and even when Zach Randolph was there for the long time, he was a lot of success but never quite good enough to get over that hump and get to the finals and eventually even have a chance to win it. But 27 and a half, I think... I think they'll be at around 28, 29, just because I think the Wizards, Cavs, and the Hornets will probably lose more games than them. But, uh, you know, 27 and a half is an interesting figure. I'm going to go with the over here by a little bit. I agree with you. I'm going to go by, with the over maybe by one game or at least half a game. John Morant should have an inconsistent season, but I think it will be fun to watch. And as you said, there are worse teams in the league, so they should just get a little bit over that 27 and a half. Yeah, I think we're going to see a lot from Morant, and Morant and Barrett are going to give you a lot of the same where You're going to see their flashes of brilliance, but they're going to deal with that rookie issues of trying to figure out how am I going to be an efficient scorer. That's something, we'll talk about this when we talk about the Pelicans, but this is something I don't think Zion's going to run into just because the majority of the guys' buckets come in the paint. Um, but again, Grizzlies... It's going to be interesting just to watch uh, John Morant grow this season. Move on to one of the more interesting teams, and there's a lot of in- a lot of these in the Western Conference. The Phoenix Suns projected to win 28 and a half games. You know they got Devin Booker. You know they have a young, solid core. Um, 28 and a half is the number. I do believe this team will win 35, 36 games this year. I agree with you. I think this Phoenix team, this is the first time they've really put pieces around Devin Booker, which I think can work. DeAndre Ayton, obviously, they drafted him last year. He should make that leap this season after struggling a bit. They brought in Ricky Rubio, who is actually a point guard, at least relative to what Devin Booker had to work with earlier in his career. I'm not going to say 35 wins. I'm going to say 30, 32 wins. I'm taking the over. I think 28 and a half is way too low. 
Monty Williams is their new head coach. Um, I've only heard good things about him. So this this team should be good, um, or at least a lot better. Yeah, I think one of the things that goes overlooked with signing Rick Rubio is that Rubio is a very, you know, he's not an all-star point guard, but he's very capable at that position, which means Devin Booker doesn't have to control the ball for a majority of the game anymore. You have a guy who's a facilitator. Booker can focus on the scoring. And Monty Williams, I think I'm correct when I say this, he was a coach back in the Chris Paul days in uh, New Orleans when it was the New Orleans Hornets. Um, he's a very good coach. He spent a few years as an yep. assistant, but... You know, the Suns are going to be, I think they're finally going to be on the rise after a handful of, you know, trying to get all these veterans to turn the franchise around. I think they're going to be back on the up and up. I agree completely. Now, moving on to the next team, which the is? OKC Thunder. The Russell Westbrook, less their, their squad of Westbrook, Harden, Durant, Ibaka, that's all gone. We're going from point, uh, from, from the beginning. Um... 31 and a half, it's going to be interesting, especially if you have an aging Chris Paul in there. You still have Steven Adams. You know, it's going to be a very interesting team, but I think they're going to struggle big time. Uh, and I think 26 is what you're looking at in terms of wins for them. I'm going to take the under here as well. I don't know if 26, but I think in between 28 and 30, I like their starting five. They've got some good players. You know, Chris Paul, like you mentioned, I really like Shea Gilgis Alexander, who they got in that trade um, with Paul George going to the Clippers. More on that later. And I like Steven Adams a lot, but I'm just not sure how long they're going to keep all of those guys for. Are they going to be able to trade Chris Paul? Is Steven Adams going to be traded? I don't know. I think uh, especially they have a lot of interesting guys. Like I think Gallinari is over there too, right? Yep. So, yeah. I, I don't see Chris Paul lasting the whole season there. I think that once they figure out, ah, this isn't going to work, we're going to deal him to a team that's in the playoff run, um, you know, if Kyrie, Ky, I see the Brooklyn Nets, if Kyrie gets injured for the rest of the season or something like that, and they're in the race, or you lose a guy like Levert, um, I, I could see the Nets possibly making a move if it's you know suitable for them to bring in Chris Paul. Yeah, I mean, I think Chris Paul is not going to stick out the entire season around OKC. It's a nice story, obviously, the New Orleans Hornets who had to move to OKC temporarily. Um, due to Hurricane Katrina, if I'm not mistaken, early on in Chris Paul's career. So it's nice to have that little full circle type thing. Yeah. But CP3, um, Brooklyn's interesting. I feel like even Miami, the Miami Heat could be a destination for him yeah. if you know they can't really figure out their point guard situation with Winslow and Drogic, and they have more pressure on them to win now with uh, obviously adding Jimmy Butler. Yeah, so what was the number you, you took the under as well? We both I took the under. Thunder. So let's get on to the Minnesota Timberwolves. Uh, another another team that's I think maybe a little underrated, but thirty five and a half. They still have Cat Carl Anthony Towns, and I think there's still some useful pieces on this roster. Um, I think they I think they're barely over like thirty six. I think is where I would pin the Timberwolves. Yeah, they won thirty six games last year. I don't expect them to win more, but at the same time, I don't expect them to win a lot less. I'm gonna take the over maybe by like half a game. I think Carl Anthony Towns is gonna have a monster season. I wish I could say the same about the likes of Andrew Wiggins or Jeff Teague, but I really don't think that's going to be the case. I think this is a make-or-break year for Wiggins. I think if nothing, they don't see the number one draft pick potential that the Cavs saw in him, and they did when they traded for for him, I, I think uh, you're not going to see him have an important role. And any other team in the NBA probably just be a role player. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think Wiggins has to have a big season here. He, he has to show that he can defend 
and score efficiently, which is both things he's really struggled with. We know that he has a lot of talent, but does he truly care about the game of basketball? Is he really willing to put in that work? Yeah. I'm not sure. Um, one guy I really like on the Timberwolves is Robert Covington, who they added last season. Underrated. I think he got um, he was injured towards the tail end of last season, mm -hmm. but I think he should help their defense out a lot, especially because Cat, you know, he still has to make some strides in that. Wiggins, obviously, as we discussed, he is not very good on that end. So, you know, in between Covington's defense, um, Cat's offense, and I think they're going to be a well-coached team with Ryan Saunders. Um, mm -hmm. They'll probably get it around that 36-win yeah. uh, mark. Uh, we'll move on to the Pelicans. This is a team I'm really excited to talk about. They've got Lonzo Ball. They've got Zion Williamson. They've got Brandon Ingram, just to name a few of their important guys that they've got there. This team, of course, no Anthony Davis anymore. But, man, do I like this team a lot. I think 39.5 is a low mark for them. I could see this team winning 43, 44 games, especially to me, uh, before I let you get on to this, when you take Ball and Ingram, you take those guys out of the limelight and, you know, you take them away from Ball, away from his dad, you know, you let these guys be individuals. Because, again, you're a young player in one of the biggest uh, media cities in the world. You're going to go crazy. You're going to want all that bright lights. But New Orleans, you know, you got a nice nice place to live, no doubt. But everything's more laid back. You don't have anyone breathing down your neck with everything you do. I think you're going to see – I think Lonzo Ball is going to be an all-star this year. I'll go out on a limb and say that. I think Lonzo's going to have a huge season. He's looked good in preseason. Maybe he's not filling up the stat sheet, but I don't think he's ever been that type of player, really. He's all about making the right decisions, making the right pass pushing the pace, and I think with this shot that he's certainly um, tinkered with a little bit, just like fix up the mechanics, he should be a bigger threat from uh, the three-point line and from the free-throw line. Lonzo's going to have a big year. Um, I'm not sure about how Brandon Ingram fits on this team yet. I know he has a lot of talent, but he's kind of struggled putting everything together, especially during the Lakers. We saw him at his best when he had the ball in his hands. Mm -hmm which I don't really think is going to be the case here with Lonzo, Drew Holiday. I think Zion's going to have the ball in his hands a lot. But all these additions, all these young players should be very interesting. And I like some of the other under-the-radar acquisitions they've made. J.J. Redick, he's really, really good. He should add a lot of leadership and shooting. Derek Favors, I think he's a good um, five for Zion to play with. And I also like Josh Hart coming from the Lakers, a bit of an underrated, under-the-radar guy. But he can shoot and play defense. Yep. And before we move on to the Kings, let me say J.J. Redick has never missed the playoffs, so you know maybe that's a good luck charm for the Pelicans this year. The Pelicans at 39.5, you're taking over under? I'm going over. I'm going like 45 with them. I'm going to take under, but just. I think it's going to be a 39-41-42 win team, but they'll be the funnest team in the NBA to follow. No. Well, yeah, definitely. We're going to the Kings here. Who we saw... Uh, a little bit of a breaking story today. Buddy Heal kind of isn't happy with the situation there, um, which originally had me going over, but I think 37 and a half. I'm going to say 35 is what the Kings are at. Uh, I like Darren Fox. You know, I like uh, the hell's his name. I just I just went blank. Uh, the guy they drafted last Marvin year. Bagley. Marvin Bagley. Yeah, I just went blank on him. But again, they've got they. This is. What they haven't been able to do is get a good young core in here, and that's what they have now. But can they keep it together? Is Buddy Heel gonna want out? Is he gonna, you know, be a, you know, maybe a little cause a little drama? I don't know. But to me, I think this team's a 35-win team. Yeah, I like De'Aaron Fox a lot. He had a great rookie season last year. I like Buddy Heel. I like Marvin Bagley, who, at least personally, he surpassed my expectations. I thought he would kind of be there 
in that position where you don't really know if he's a four or a five, but I think he excelled regardless of that. Um, they added some, they added like Trevor Ariza, Dwayne Dedman. I like those pickups too, providing some leadership to this very young team. With Buddy Heald, um, he wants 110 million over four years. The Kings are reportedly offering 90 million over four years. It's a big difference. What would you do here? I think you've got to, they're way too far to actually, for one of those deals to be completed on. I think you've got to get together in a room and you've got to meet in the middle. You know, I don't, I think so, both sides have to compromise here. I think four years, 100 million yep. is quality considering that I don't think Buddy Heald's ever made an all-star team. I don't think he's won any awards, so I think he's definitely asking for a lot here. The potential's there, but I don't really know about the money he's uh, asking for. Yeah, I think 110 is a bit much. I like the idea, 100 million over four years. Maybe it's a little bit overpaid, especially towards the end of that contract as Buddy Heald gets, gets older. He's not really one of those young guys, although it seems like he is. Um, but he's one of the best shooters in the NBA. He can handle the ball. He can pass the ball a little bit. So, you know, maybe you're overpaying him a little bit, but if you're Sacramento... You don't really have that many guys who have the potential to be a franchise player or a core piece of your project. So I think you have to go for it. You pay it $100 million over four years. I think it's worth it. The over-under is at 37.5. I'm going to take the over by a little bit. Um, I like their bench better than last year. I think De'Aaron Fox should take a step forward. I think it's going to be a 39-win team again, or 40. Yeah, I go, I go under 35 with the Kings. Uh, we're going to the Dallas Mavericks. I'm not going to say much because I have a little biased against one of their certain players, a former Nick. Um, <laughs> but the only thing I'll say about him is that he, I, I think we're expecting too much out of him for a guy just coming off an ACL injury and hasn't played a meaningful game in almost an over a year. So I'm uh, 40 and a half is the mark. I'm going under. I'm going 34. I'm going under here as well. I think Porzingis... I think he's going to have a good year. I don't know if he's going to have a great year. As you said, um, he hasn't played meaningful basketball in a long time. If I'm not mistaken, I actually read the other day, um, the first preseason game he actually played in was his first game in over 600 days, which is obviously a yeah. very, very long time. I like their coach and Rick Carlisle. I really like Luka Doncic. And I think they have good depth in their bench, but I'm just not sure they're not that athletic. I don't think they excel truly at one particular thing. Yeah. But they'll be a solid team. It will be fun to watch Doncic continue to progress. I'm interested in seeing how Porzingis comes back. Is it going to be one of those seasons again where he starts off hot and then fades? Or will it be the opposite with him easing back into it and then peaking towards the end? I don't know. I'm going to take the under. Um, it's at 40 and a half right now. I think they're going to be 35, 38 win team, 40 at most. Yeah, so we'll move on to the San Antonio Spurs led by Greg Popovich. Uh, I don't know how, I, don't, I can't, every year it looks like, eh, this team may not make the playoffs for once. And then boom, they sneak their way in there again. Then this is a 48-win team. I like the roster, very solid. There's no one budding superstar on that roster, but, you know, they're well coached. They play a good style of basketball, and they're going to find their way in the playoffs again. And I, I think 48 wins is where they sit. Yeah, I'm going to take um, the over-unders at 46 and a half. Yeah. I don't know if I'm going to take... 48 wins, but I think around that 42, 46 um, win mark is reasonable. Obviously, with Greg Popovich, you're going to get a really well-coached, really well-drilled team. We've seen how he, how the Spurs in general help young stars progress and maximize their potential. I think Derek White is a good example of that. Mm -hmm. 
Um, going into the season last year, relatively unknown, and by the end of it, he was making the team uh, Team USA for the FIBA World Cup. So that's all you have to, to know about that. Dejounte Murray, he's gonna come back. He was out for most, if not all, of last season, if I if I remember yeah, correctly. It's gonna be big to have him back. So that's gonna be big. Um, again, as you said, Daniel, there aren't really any guys who, you know, you look at them and it's like, wow, they're a superstar. They're gonna get you 35 every night. But they all know their roles. They know what offense they're gonna play. And, you know, I'm excited to see if they can make the playoffs. Yeah. So move on to the Portland Trailblazers. Of course, uh, famously, uh, Damian Lillard ended the Thunder season last year. Uh, I love the duo of McCollum and, uh, and Lillard, and I think 46 and a half. I'm going to go slightly over. Give me a nice 47 on the Blazers season. I'm going to go slightly under, actually. I, lo- I love Lillard and McCollum, as you said, but... Um, Yusuf Nurkic is going to be out again to start the season. I think he's going to be out around until around the All-Star break, excuse me. They lost Enes Kanter too, who although he's not really that guy who anchors your defense, he can provide a lot of scoring. They brought in Hassan Whiteside, who I like in spurts, but I don't really think he can be that guy who's like, oh, you know, go out there for 30, 35 minutes a game and do your thing. You know, I don't think he's got that type of uh, concentration to his game. Yeah, before we move on to the Warriors, I think Whiteside is a very great, he's a great defender. Um, and, you know, I think once they get Nurkic back, if, if they get him back, you know, Whiteside's minutes will probably go down. But I think one of the things this team has really been missing is that defensive force that, so if Lillard and, you know, McCollum are getting beat, you know, there's this, it's really detracting guys from scoring in the paint because you have this major shot blocker there. Yeah, no, I mean, I like Hassan Whiteside, um, as I said, in short amounts of playing time. I do think he can be that threat around the rim on both ends of the floor, actually. But with Portland, you're expecting this team to make a deep playoff run. And I don't really know if he's going to be that guy. So as you said, they're going to have Nurkic back by then. I don't know at what percentage of his health he's going to be at. But if they can get Nurkic back, if they have Whiteside coming off the bench in the playoffs, which I think it's a no-brainer that they're going to make the playoffs. This is a team that can actually be pretty scary. Yeah, definitely. We'll move on to Golden State. New look, D'Angelo Russell on the team. Steph Curry, still got Draymond Green. No KD, and we're going to probably not see Klay Thompson for a majority of the season. 47.5 is their mark. Uh, They're a very interesting team. I think Steph Curry is going to be your MVP in the Western Conference. Um, And I think they're going to win... 46, I think, is going to be 46 for the Warriors. Yeah, I'm taking the under here by a little bit as well. Um, I think Curry might have a historic year in terms of how many three-pointers he'll take, how many three-pointers he'll make. Um, If I'm not mistaken, he will actually be breaking the three-point, some sort of three-point record this season. I can't remember which one right off the top of my head, but it's going to be that type of year for him. I look at this team, though, and... I'm not entirely sure who that fifth starter is because you have Curry, you have D'Angelo Russell, who I actually think is going to stay around for the entire season. You've got Draymond Green, and you've probably got Kevon Looney, I would guess. But Sean Livingston, retired. Iguodala is gone. Who do you start at that, at that three position? I don't really know who it starts is, there. It is very interesting. Maybe you go small ball. You know, it's... I don't know, maybe you go big bodies, you know, maybe you put Draymond at the three, you go big bodies there, but then you really close off your your spacing, which is what the Warriors pride themselves on. It's going to be interesting because you're going to see really Steve Kerr. I think he's a good coach, but not even going to grind those gears as a coach. Yeah, I mean, 
the Warriors, I'm guessing you have them making the playoffs, obviously, with our yeah. 46 just wins. Um, how deep do you think they can make it? I think if they get Klay Thompson back, I think they go to the finals again. If they don't get Klay Thompson, I think you're looking at a second-round exit. Yeah, I think they're looking at a second-round exit um, regardless, I would say. I think Klay Thompson will come back. I'm not entirely sure if he's going to be at 100% health. Just due to the type of player he is, I wouldn't be surprised if he rushed back a little bit. I don't know how the Golden State staff, medical staff, I should say, is going to manage that, especially with the whole thing around KD's injury last playoffs. But hopefully this team should be interesting to follow. I think Curry's going to have one of those seasons where, you know, just like two or three seasons ago where he was worth watching every single night. Yeah. So this team is going to be interesting, and it will be it will say a lot, excuse me, about Steve Kerr's coaching. Yeah, definitely. So we got five teams left here. We'll start with the LA Lakers. Uh, hopefully you have a healthy LeBron. Hopefully you have uh, health throughout that roster. They really dealt with a lot of injuries last year. Um, 51 and a half is the mark. I think they just go 49. I, the roster is nice, but I don't think it's a 51 team. Yeah, no, I have them at 48, 50 wins. Um, so just under the, uh, the predicted over under, but I really like this roster that they've built. I don't know why they didn't just build this roster around LeBron in year one of his Lakers career. Cause everyone knows you surround LeBron with shooters and then he does his thing. And as long as other people can make their three pointers, then you're pretty much set. But, yeah, Anthony Davis as well. I think he's going to have a big, big year. I actually expect LeBron to defer to AD a lot during the regular season, which should be interesting. It will be better for his health to definitely do so. Um, but, yeah, they're going to be a fun team to watch. You know, I think the problem they ran into was trying to mix the old with the new in terms of their young players and LeBron. And it just didn't work out. One, They had to pick one rather than the other. Mm-hmm. Um, moving on to the Denver Nuggets. 52 and a half, if I, correct me if I'm wrong, but they were the number one seed, I think, in the Western Conference last year. Um, um, it was either them or Golden State, definitely, though, one and two. Yeah, no, I, I definitely think, um, yeah, it was the, yeah, it was the Nuggets. Yeah, so no, 50, no, no, it was Golden State. Oh, yeah, was yeah, Golden yeah. State. They were the second but seed. But I know the Nuggets, I think, spent a decent amount of time fighting with them for that top spot. Mm. But 52 and a half, still have Jamal Murray, you still have Jokic, you know, you still have a variety of talented players on that team. 52 and a half. Give me a 54 with this team. I'm going to take 52 uh, with this team. They got 54 last year, but I think the West is going to be a little bit more competitive, so I don't expect them to win just as much. I think Mike Malone's a really good coach. Uh, Jokic, obviously, he is one of the best centers in the NBA. I would say he's a top two center alongside Embiid, especially because AD doesn't really like playing the five. They brought in Jeremy Grant from OKC, who I actually really like. And Michael Porter Jr. should play for his rookie year. Actually, he didn't play last last season at all. He's looked good in preseason. He was really, really highly touted. Excuse me. Um, really, really ho- highly touted, I should say. Coming out of high school, going into Missouri, got injured, pretty much missed the entire college season, and then they redshirted him last year. I think he, he might add a lot of scoring to this team. Yeah, Porter, I, I really, I really, I think he's the X factor for this team. I think if you get a healthy Michael Porter Jr., man, that's huge. But, you know, we'll see with this team. And one of the teams will be battling for that top spot is the LA Clippers, who are at 53.5. I think this is a 61 win team. I think the duo really? of Leonard and George, along with the rest of the cast of characters you have around them, I think this is a very, very dangerous team. I think this is going to be a very dangerous team in the playoffs. 
I'm skeptical to predict any Western Conference team to be a 60-team win, a 60-win team, excuse me, just because there's so much um, competitiveness in this conference. But I think there's going to be games where, you know, Paul George, he's already going to miss, like, the first two months of the season, more or less. Kawhi's going to have those load management days all looking towards the playoffs. So I think that they're going to lose some games just because they're going to rest those two main guys. But I think 53 and a half right now is the over-under. I'm going to take 53 wins. I wouldn't be surprised if they got 55 or so. You know, beyond Kawhi and Paul George, they brought in Patrick Patterson, Mo Harkless, who I like. And more importantly, they kept Patrick Beverly. They kept Landry Shamit, um, Lou Williams, Harrell. Yeah, All those guys are integral to their team. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I really like this team. I think it's going to be the best one in the Western Conference. But like you said, it could be tough because of the load management and taking care of the injuries. Two teams left. One of them, surprisingly, a 53-and-a-half wins predicted is the Utah Jazz, which to me, uh, it's a little out of left field. I think their roster is definitely good, but I don't know if they're 50-win good. I think 47 is more what we're going to see from the Jazz. Uh, I'm going to take the under here by a little bit. I think 50-51 wins is good. I really like what they did. They brought in Mike Conley, who I think is going to fit really well next to Donovan Mitchell. They brought in Bojan Bogdanovic, who I also liked, and Jeff Green. I think all of those guys, they can add a lot to a playoff team. But as we saw last year, Rudy Gobert, I think he struggles a little bit in the playoffs just because obviously he's going to be that defensive powerhouse but he can't really be relied on to create his own shot or his own offense which I think really hurts them and they lost Derek Favors as their backup five so I don't know who you play there do you go small ball in those situations or what do you do yeah it's gonna be interesting because Gobert is pretty much useless on the offensive uh, side of the court unless you're throwing him lobs or feeding him really deep in the post um, Jazz I think they're a little overrated here but you never know. That's why we play these games. And as we move on to the last team, who's also predicted at 53 and a half wins, the Russell Westbrook and James Harden-led Houston Rockets. A lot of people talk about this team and say, I don't know how the hell this is going to work because we got two guys who love to you know, take control of the game. But I think it's going to be a pretty good, pretty good pairing together. These two guys played together in OKC. Again, different times of their careers. They were different players. But I think it's definitely going to work out. And I think they're battling the Clippers for the top team in the West, but I think 58 wins. I think this is going to work out. Westbrook and James Harden, like you said, they know each other going back to the OKC days. But as far as I know, they know each other going up in the high school scene in California as well. I think we've seen glimpses of their chemistry, not exactly on the court, but off the court during preseason with a lot of little you know, videos um, on social media and whatnot. And I think that's going to translate on the court. I think both of these guys, they want to play with each other. And Westbrook, not having the ball so much in his hands will help him out a lot in terms of efficiency. I think even defense, because he'll have more energy to waste on that end, as opposed to carrying the load of his OKC squads. So I really like this team. I think they're definitely a top one, top two seed. Uh, 50, 52, 53 wins. I'm going to take the under maybe by half a game. But this team should be exciting. I don't know how things will develop towards the playoffs. Obviously, there was some tension there with Chris Paul and James Harden last year that I didn't really see coming personally after the regular season. But I think time will tell. And one last thing with the Rockets, obviously, this whole controversy with Daryl Morey after his tweets um, regarding Hong Kong. 
I think at this point, he's going to last the entire year. He already made it past the initial fiasco, so I don't think he should be in danger. A whole nother podcast on a whole nother topic that LeBron, it's it's a whole nother bag of worms that you could talk about for two hours, basically. Um, But before we sign off, what is your prediction for a team that's coming out of the Western Conference? I'm going to take... This is a complicated one, honestly. There's so many good teams here. I'm going to take the Clippers, though. Yeah, a lot of parity in the West, I think. I would also go with the L.A. Clippers. I think Paul George is a beast in the playoffs, and we just saw last year, you know, what Kawhi Leonard's capable of when it comes to the finals. Two times final MVP, so the guy's got the clutch gene in him. And it's going to be an exciting... We kick off next week, right? About about Tuesday, Wednesday of next week. I know the Knicks open up Wednesday. I don't know if TNT or ESPN's got uh, any special games on Tuesday, but you know it's going to be an exciting year. A lot of change this year in the NBA, and it's going to be fun to watch. And for Wilco, I'm going to sign us off for this week. Thank you for tuning in. Um, like we said, the last two weeks, the first issue of the press should be coming out very soon. Very, very soon. Very, very soon. Um, so be on the lookout for that. And enjoy the rest of your week. And let's go Knicks.